0: And so we come to our reading this morning, picking up the passage that I've already used earlier on. So we're reading from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 to 20. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today, so that you may live and increase, and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you, and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and where you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you've eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land, with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers have never known, to humble and to test you, so that at the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, For it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God.
1: Well, I have to admit that uh, when I first saw the title that Tim had planned for this morning's message um, that would continue our series, our morning series on Deuteronomy, I I have to admit I did have a bit of a chuckle. Um, It's uh, do not forget the Lord. Perhaps we could just have that up, that first one. Do not forget the Lord. The reason I chuckle is because the idea that I should preach on a passage where the focus is on the importance of remembering is ironic to say the least <laughs> because apparently just allegedly I have some memory issues <laughs> right um, but what we have here is the idea that remembering is central that is core that is of paramount importance and um Let's have a look at this. I don't know if you recognise the character there. It's uh, Dory, for those of you who don't know, from uh, Finding Nemo. And I can certainly identify with this character um, because her key element of of what she's like is, quite frankly, she forgets everything, whether it's small or important. It all goes out of the window, and I can, I can sympathise with her. Not only do I do the classics of uh, walking into rooms when I've... Forgotten why I've gone there, or upstairs, or wherever it is. Um, Forgetting where I've put things like keys, or a phone. Yep, okay, I'm getting it, I see. Or forgetting uh, what the topic of conversation is with that person, when you're in the middle of having the conversation, and then having to conclude that maybe it really wasn't all that important after all. Um, I can also recall the time uh, that something happened at work, and uh, it made me really angry. Um, I don't often get angry, but I was really angry. Uh, I was fuming as I marched back to the department um, and uh, livid as I began to talk to my colleagues before I realised I had forgotten what I was so angry about. Um, I just had the feelings left with me. Um, And I knew that when they knew the details, they'd be just as angry as well. But it didn't have quite the same impact. And um, I was a little bit embarrassed and frustrated, to say the least. Um, My all-time favourite for this is when I was talking with someone. And, of course, I I think I I have actually forgotten. I think it was Ryan that I said this to but I'm I'm not absolutely sure. Um, I I suddenly went, oh, yes, and before I forget, and I literally, genuinely had forgotten what it was that I was going to say to him. Um, So as I say, it is with some amusement uh, that I I began to plan for this morning, but also some acknowledgement uh, that this was a lesson I undoubtedly was going to have to listen to for myself. It seems to me that this passage can be divided into two. The first of these is commands. Commands. God gives his people, the Israelites, a number of commands in this chapter that are to be obeyed. He even goes so far as to make clear why it's in their interests to obey. Verse 1, it's so that you might live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised to your ancestors. But with these encouragements, these proverbial carrots also comes to stick. Uh, God also issues the Israelites with cautions. These warnings are to be heeded if they are to avoid complete ruination. The first command, they must remember, is to follow. We read in verse 1, follow every command I am giving you today. Well, that's clear. As a soldier follows the commands of the officer, when you hear, you obey, you do it without question. You just do it. You follow his commands. Whilst there may be something of that here, I I rather think it's more like a parent to their child. When I tell my children to do or not to do something, it's not an experiment to see if they will. Uh, It's not because I enjoy bossing them around, although they might dispute that. It's it's actually not about me. It's really about about them and for them. Because it's in their interests to follow. It is so that it may go well for them. I want them to be kept safe. And I want them to learn. On a much bigger scale, so it is for God with the children of Israel... He orders them to follow him because as a parent he knows what's good for them he wants to keep them safe and for them to learn the message version puts it this way from verse two remember every road that God led you on for these those 40 years in the wilderness pushing you to your limits testing you so that he would know what you were made of whether you would keep his commandments or not He put you through hard times, he made you go hungry, then he fed you with manna, something neither you you nor your parents knew anything about, so you would learn that men and women don't live by bread alone, we live by every word that comes from God's mouth. Your clothes didn't wear out and your feet didn't blister those 40 years, you learned deep in your heart that God disciplines you in the same way a father disciplines his child. The children of Israel have already been through, at this point, through some tough times. They have not known where their food and water to survive would come from. They didn't know the area or where they were going for sure. They didn't know how or even if they would survive. And in these times, they had learned to rely on God. I suppose some might characterize that as tough love. It's a case of remember to follow my commands because I love you and I know what's best for you. I know how you can be all that I created you to be. I believe that's the same for us today. We go through tough times, job uncertainty, mental and physical health concerns and relationship and family issues, our wilderness years if you like but God calls us to continue to follow his commands. You can trust him. He knows you and loves you. Hold on to him as a, frightened, uh, as a frightened child does to their parent, because he knows the bigger picture. You must remember the command to follow where he leads, because he knows where he's going. Have you ever gone on a car journey uh, when you don't know where you're going? And uh, so you're completely relying on your friend who's driving in front of you. And you know that if you were to lose them, that's it. You've got no idea where you are. Or have you ever been out with a friend, and I think I've been this friend, who tells you, no, it's okay, I know where I'm going. (laughs) And then you realise along the way that no, you don't. Well... Whilst that may have led to anxiety or or hilarity, depending upon the situation, or maybe even both, um, God, in verse 7, makes it clear to the people of Israel that they should remember the command to follow him because he truly knows where he's leading them, into a good land. A land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and hills. A land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey. A land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. God knew exactly, exactly where he was leading them. God doesn't change. He still leads his people today and he still knows where. He knows where he wants to lead you and me as individuals and as a church. We need to remember his command and follow. We need to follow even when the way looks like a challenge beyond what we think we're capable. The Israelites followed God across the parted Red Sea through a wilderness without known resources of food or water the challenge may appear unsurmountable they are they are if done in our own strength but not if we obey and trust god to lead and sustain us the second command that god gives the people over and over again is simply to remember but what is it that we are to remember? Well, it's twofold. Firstly, it's to remember all that God has done for them in the past. And David very helpfully reminded us of that. God has shown them time and time again that he keeps his promises. In verse 2, just the last 40 years are highlighted, but quite honestly, the list could have gone on a lot longer because he has repeatedly saved them. From slavery from salvation, from themselves. He's repeatedly chosen them to be his covenant people, despite their flaws. He's repeatedly offered them a fresh start when those flaws have Im- impacted on the covenant relationship. They have so much to remember. God has been good to them for so long and provided for them in so many ways. It's good to remember the past. It's lovely to look at old photos and recall past events. My girls and I love looking at our old school photos, not least because, quite frankly, they're funny. Um, but invariably, there is a, a story that goes with each of them. Oh, that's the day you forgot. Oh, Mum, that's the day you forgot again because their hair would be in a dreadful mess or whatever. But it reminds us of, of when that happened or when that And shared memories, when you look over photographs, shared memories bring us together. They're a way of connecting or reconnecting. By God encouraging the people of Israel to remember their past, it's a way of them reconnecting, not only with each other through shared memories, but reconnecting with him. Oh, yes, Lord, that time was tough. But you were there, I remember. Oh, that was a really dark time. That we had no idea what was what was going to happen there. And but you enabled you enabled me to get through that. You helped us. Remembering the past is good, not only in and of itself, but because it also helps us to think about now as well. In a few weeks' time, we shall remember those that have fallen due to the war and past conflicts. We remember their ultimate sacrifice and also. The importance today of being instruments of peace. The past helps us not only to think about the past, but about the here and now. God commands the people of Israel to remember what God is doing for them now. In verse 18, we read, But remember the Lord your God, for it is He that gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers, as it is today. All they had at that point was because of God. Without him, they would have and be nothing. It's a lesson we need to hear also. All that you and I have is because of God. Just take some time now to to reflect on all you have. And by that, I don't simply mean the material things, important as they are, such as a home, but other things that we value, such as family or friends, our health, Brighton Road. Add to the list the skills and abilities you have, and again, I don't just mean the ones that people tend to notice, but also the other ones that go perhaps unseen, gifts of sharing, of wisdom, listening to others, offering friendship having emotional or spiritual maturity. Well, the list, of course, goes on. The fact is, we owe all of this, owe everything, our very life, to God. God is not some distant entity, but a God that loves and sustains. St. Augustine came to this conclusion and reminds us with these words. Let us therefore believe that God works constantly, constantly. So that all created things would perish if his working were withdrawn. Without God, we have and are nothing. All too often, we need to have our existence put into some perspective. We need to be reminded. This leads me to the final command in this passage. And David's already touched on it. The people of Israel are commanded to praise him, to praise God who has given and continues to give them so much. Well, you'd hope it would be a natural response. You would hope it would be a natural response to such abundance, to say thank you, to show appreciation. But it would seem the people of Israel needed to be reminded. It strikes me again of a parent with a child who has been given a present. You may have seen this or done it yourself, um, where the child does the easy bit, which is the taking. And then the mum or dad says to them, and what do you say? Taking is, is usually the easy bit, but the good manners to say thank you takes some training. It needs to be repeated until it becomes automatic. Until it becomes a natural response. God's people seem to be, uh, still seem to be in training. And they need to be reminded that God, who has richly blessed them, is to be worshipped, adored, thanked and praised. Verse 10's command. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the land he has given you. Makes clear, this verse makes clear that God is not to be ignored. What he has done for them is to be acknowledged. It is only right that the true source of all they have be recognized. Why does God remind them of these things they must do to to follow him through good and bad because he knows where he's going? to remember all he has done and is doing, and to respond to all of this with praise to him. Why? Well, here come the cautions. The first of these are the people of Israel were prone to forgetting what actually had happened and having false memories, false ideas of their own self grandeur Do you remember early on in their experience of being in the wilderness, they harked back to their good old slavery days. They hadn't been out of Egypt five minutes, and they were looking back through exceedingly rose-coloured spectacles. When they stood before the Red Sea, some thought they would have been better to have stayed as slaves than to leave with God and die. But God finds a way for them. He parts the Red Sea. In Exodus 14, we hear them complain of not having sufficient food. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat round pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. Well, God is patient and generous and again provides a way for them in the form of manna and quail. The people of Israel had definite form when it came to creating false memories and a false sort of recall of the past. They were going to lay claim to the promised land, flowing with milk and honey, and they were in danger of misremembering again. Verses 12 to 14 makes it clear that the children of Israel needed to be warned of forgetting. The message puts it like this. Make sure that when you eat and are satisfied, build pleasant houses and settle in, see your herds and flocks flourish, and more and more money come in. Watch your standard of living going up and up. Make sure you don't become so full of yourself and your things that you forget God, your God. And then after all the listing of all the wonderful things God has done for them, it goes on to say... If you start thinking to yourselves, I did all this and all by myself, I'm rich, it's all mine. Well, think again. The NIV has it as, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. The caution is clear. They're in danger of falsely remembering how it was they had such a good life. Soon they were to enter the promised land, God would gift to them a home, security, stability, and he knew his children, he knew what they were like, and he knew they were in danger of once again forgetting him. When all is well in life, who needs God, right? Surely we've seen already what a foolish attitude that is to adopt. Let me remind you of that Augustinian quote from earlier. Let us therefore believe that God works constantly, constantly, so that all created things would perish if his workings were withdrawn. He is warning them against arrogant idiocy. Why? Because there are consequences to such a choice. The other day, I saw a a clip on YouTube of a truck driver that ignored the uh, cautionary signs that were put out. He was going through a mountainous pass with a steep ravine with an almighty articulated lorry. The road was now single carriageway due to the fact that beyond the cones that had been put out there was no road. It had just fallen down into the ravine. Hence there had been the warning signs not to go that way. This driver was overconfident in his abilities and presumed he would triumph where others could not. He obviously thought he'd be okay and would be able to make it through. He wasn't, and he didn't. He was lucky to escape with his life when the whole thing, load, trailer, truck, and driver, disappeared down the side. There were very obvious destructive consequences to him ignoring the cautionary warning sign. In the same way, God points out that there are consequences to forgetting him. In the last two verses of the chapter, we read, If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Like the nations, the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. That's a serious caution not to be ignored the message puts it this way if you find that more helpful if you forget forget god your god and start taking up with other gods serving and worshipping worshipping them i'm on record right now as giving you a firm warning that will be the end of you i mean it destruction you'll go to your doom the same as the nations God is destroying before you. Doom, because you wouldn't obey the voice of God, your God. Cautionary note, indeed. The depressing thing is, uh, they didn't heed it. They didn't listen, and they did end up being destroyed. They'd had a great nation, they establish a kingdom, and they forget him. And over time, he ceased to be the centre of their lives. And they lost it all. The question is, are we any different? Just how different are we from those children of Israel? And do we have a better memory? I think it's unlikely, don't you? Now, by this, I'm not referring to my dreadful absent-mindedness that I spoke of right at the beginning of all this. We're just as much in danger of not so much forgetting facts about God, but forget him actively in our lives. Forgetting just how much we depend upon him. We're just as likely to not be obedient to his word. We're just as likely to forget him in our times of prosperity as they are. One writer puts it as, when our hands are full, we forget the lessons we learned when our hands were empty. I don't think we can be so arrogant as to think we are any better than they. We can be just as guilty of letting pride take hold in our lives, as individuals and as a church. We might go through the motions of praising God, but in our hearts we give ourselves the credit. The same writer says, instead of living the hymn, how great thou art, we really live by the song, I did it my way. So one answer to that question, are we any different, is indeed no. But then again, the answer is yes. The answer is yes, not because we are more intelligent, not because we somehow have worked out how to remember to obediently follow God daily with our lives, to remember all he has done and is doing in our lives. We remember to praise him in response for all of this, In fact, it's nothing we have done at all. The table set to my left is a symbol of the only reason things are different. We all fall short. But it is by the patient working of God, by his grace and love, we can gather around this table. Knowing that we are saved not by our works not because we deserve it not because we are somehow better than those israelites of the past who bodged it up time and time again no it is through the blood of christ shed for each of us though we forget and let him down we can confess and begin afresh with him Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Christ commands us all here that love him a little and want to love him more to remember his ultimate work, his death and resurrection, so that we might not have to face the destructive consequences of our sin. So let's just spend some time now with God in prayer. Let's pray. Father God, we are sorry. We know that all too often we forget you, that we presume on you to sustain us. We don't let you impact on our lives, on our day to day. We remember the facts about you, but don't let you change us. We do things believing the fallacy that we ourselves. Achieve it. And we are so sorry. As we sit here now, we want to think about where we are with you, Lord. We need to remember how you have brought us to this point. We need to remember all that you do for us now to sustain us. We need our lives to be about you and not about us. Help us, Lord, to do this, not in our strength, but in yours. Not in our name, but in yours, so that you might be praised. Amen. so. Changing it. Okay.
0: And so, before we take communion together.